Welcome, and today we're talking about relapse justification. Anybody have any experience today with relapse justification? Just raise your hand, and if you need to know more about it, then, you know, just keep your hands down, and we'll we'll figure it out, okay? I hope everybody's doing well today. Any questions, concerns, or issues before we start? Well, all right. For those that pray or those that believe in a higher power, the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference, living one day at a time. Anyone have anything they would like to discuss before we start this module based on relapse justification? In a world, if we were face-to-face, -face, group members will be assigned to a group based on their level of recovery and other factors. You will receive additional information regarding what daytime you are assigned. Please arrive ahead of time to provide your urine sample, da 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 That does not suffice to y'all because y'all are virtual. <clears throat> Wanna watch a video, The Truth of Addiction. There probably couldn't be a more harmful doctrine to an addict than to think that all the days, weeks, months, and even years of sobriety didn't mean a thing because he slipped. When relapse occurs, many 12-step programs and therapy groups tell you that you have to start all over again at day one, but scientists understand that relapse There probably couldn't be a more harmful doctrine to an addict than to think that all the days, weeks, months, and even years of sobriety didn't mean a thing. Well, we have some technical difficulties. Watch out now. <laughs> There probably couldn't be a more harmful doctrine to an addict than to think that all, all the days, weeks, months, and even years of sobriety didn't mean a thing because he slipped. When relapse occurs, many 12-step programs and therapy groups tell you that you have to start all over again at day one. But scientists understand that relapse is caused mostly by emotional states, not physical cravings as once thought. To tell an addict that all the days, weeks, months, or even years of abstinence didn't mean a thing because he slipped feeds discouragement, oh. depression, and despair, the very emotions that lead to relapse. Get out of this vicious cycle. In one study, cell regeneration was shown to occur only after a couple weeks of sober living with an alcoholic. This reveals the tremendous stride that an addict has actually achieved. Furthermore, research shows that those who obtain long-term sobriety actually relapse around two to three times. You shouldn't get too discouraged if you slip. 
So failure is expected on the road to success. Abstinence, even attempted abstinence, brings power. If you relapse, don't give up. Don't think you have to start all over again and your efforts are worth nothing, but continue to cultivate your capacity to get there. Because relapse is mostly caused by emotional states, understanding how to manage thoughts, emotions, or moods is very important. In recovery, once an addict is actually free from their drug of choice, they often experience increased feelings of depression and anxiety. Negative moods and depression are common among recovering addicts because they are either related to the actual depressant effects of alcohol or drugs, or to the losses experienced in one's life, such as a family, job, or finances. Some people do continue to experience problems with depression after they have been sober for some time. This is because the reward system in the brain has developed a defense mechanism after the long-term overstimulation that is caused by their drug. When an addict quits, it is hard to immediately bounce back because the reward system is now understimulated. Because the brain decreased the natural production of neurotransmitters and made the reward center less efficient. In such cases, it is vitally important to use methods that feed the brain through proper nutrients to keep neurotransmitter activity balanced. There are over 100 studies at MIT and Harvard that have confirmed that just using amino acids to increase neurotransmitters in subjects led to eliminating depression, cravings, anxiety, and stress. The very emotions and mental states that have been shown to trigger relapse. Nutrition combined with evidence-based techniques that change the brain is most beneficial. Click here to subscribe or click here to watch the video on how to really help an addict. It's probably not what you think. There probably couldn't be a... Justifying unreasonable behavior. Let's think about how somebody might justify unreasonable behavior. Anybody have any insight regarding that? Humans, they do not usually like to consider themselves as bad people. Even those who commit terrible acts are likely to have justifications for their behavior. Sometimes these explanations may even appear reasonable. In most instances, the justification for maladaptive behaviors will be, appear weak to other people, but the individual may hang on to them as if they were life rafts. Addicts are a perfect example of people who put a great deal of effort into justifying unreasonable behavior. They want other people to view them as rational because this is how they view themselves. Let's define justification. To say that something is justified means that it has been proven to be just, right, or valid. If a person can justify their behavior, it means that what they are doing is reasonable. If they are unable to justify their behavior, it implies that they are doing something wrong. There may be legal reasons for why a person has to justify their actions. If a person is behaving in ways that are not reasonable, it may bring their sanity into question. Humans do not feel comfortable when they are unable to self-justify their own behavior. It leads to uncomfortable feelings of cognitive dissonance. If the individual is unable to justify their behavior to family and friends, it is likely to cause these people to become concerned. The community of people who abuse alcohol and their drugs need justifications to bond them together. 
The individual may believe that the miserable life of the addict is all that they deserve. A common characteristic that many addicts share is low self-esteem. Is there anyone here who experiences low self-esteem? Raise your hands or speak candidly about it if you wish. Self-justification and cognitive dissonance. Altering their behavior so that it fits in more closely with their thoughts. Is that's altering. Adopting is altering their thoughts so that they fit in more closely with their behavior. New ideas, new behaviors. And choices is adopting new ideas to explain away the cognitive dissonance. Choices to stop use or to dismiss contradictions. The reason for why people need to self-justify their behavior is because of the uncomfortable feelings created by mental discomfort. It occurs when the individual's beliefs and behavior come into conflict. So as long as this conflict continues, the person will continue to experience an inner tension, an angst, and anxiety. They can resolve this by either addressing it head on or just going full-fledged into their addiction to numb themselves from such an experience, right? Stopping the substance abuse and beginning living a more healthy life that is more in accord with their ideas is altering. Altering their behaviors, altering their thoughts. To, to dismiss any thoughts that seem to contradict their behavior, the individual may begin to believe that concerns about substance abuse are grossly exaggerated. And the individual may adapt new ideas to justify their drug abuse. They may believe that while substance abuse may harm other people, that they are a special case who won't suffer the same consequences. And I see this more and more and more and more until they get to the point where they know that's no longer true. They might have impairing health issues and they know it was a direct consequence of choices they made when they were active in their, their addiction. Um, In order to stop such behaviors, the substance abuser can use either one of these strategies to limit their cognitive dissonance. They may choose to stop the substance abuse and begin living a more healthy life that is more in accord with their ideas or dismiss any thoughts that seem to contradict their behavior. The individual may begin to believe that concerns about substance abuse are grossly exaggerated. Like I said before, it's about choices and consequences. Let's talk about some common justifications to remain addicted. But before we do that, let's get some of your ideas. What are some common reasons why you, when you were active in your addiction, if you're still not active in your addiction, that you use to remain in addiction? Mm-hmm. All right. All right. 
Here's some common justifications. Life with substance abuse is boring and unfulfilling. It is not possible to really enjoy life without a chemical helper. Can any of you relate to that? Those people who do give up alcohol or drugs are never happy. They spend the rest of their lives missing the one thing they really want. Can any of you relate to this common justification? Another common justification. Life is completely meaningless so the best strategy is just a party hard. Can any of you relate to this common justification? Those people who use alcohol and drugs are highly creative. Substance abuse is a sign of artistic talent and is responsible for most of the best art and music. Can anyone relate to this justification? The individual justifies drinking or drug use as a response to their unfortunate life. They blame other people, the government, or bad luck for making sober existence unbearable. Can anyone relate to this common justification? People believe that intoxication helps them feel better with things. Can anyone relate to this justification? Kimberly? Yeah. Yeah. Substance abuse helps them deal with insomnia. Can anyone relate to this justification? The individual may claim that their drug use makes them more sociable and it has reduced their experience of anxiety. Can anyone relate to this justification? Another common justification. They may claim that the recovery community is full of charlatans who are not really there to help. I remember a few of you who adhere to this ideology at first. If they ain't went through the storm, how can they help me through my storm, right? Remember Kimberly? Yeah. He ain't living. He's talking out of a book. He can't help me, right? Uh, but regardless if that person lived it or didn't live it, you're what, six months clean now, right? Yeah. That's right. And you did that. Congratulations. Another common justification, the individual can justify their drug, drug abuse by claiming that they are going to die anyway. I've heard this a couple of times. Can any of you relate to this one? Yeah. Mm -hmm.
Another common justification, life is hard and substance abuse means that the individual can escape the worst of the pain. Can anyone relate to this justification? Relapse triggers, triggers for use and relapse, brought to you by Drive-By Therapy. Welcome to Drive-Thru Therapy. This video is on the triggers that can lead to alcohol and drug relapse. There are two types of triggers, one being internal. Examples would be using the acronym HALT, meaning hungry, angry, lonely, and tired. The other one is external triggers, would be money, peer pressure, going to high-risk places, to name a few. There are many, many videos and articles on internal and external triggers. I am going to just discuss what I feel are the top 16 triggers that lead to relapse. The first one being the most problematic, one which is refusing help. You can't force anyone to get help if they don't want it. Denial is the most common and initial reaction. It is when a person refuses to accept that he or she has a problem with alcohol and drugs or both. A person may be so entrenched in their substance abuse habit that they deny its existence despite the facts. The next trigger is expecting too much of others. This form of thinking is self-defeating and often leads to major disappointment. Dishonesty and lying leads to avoiding and manipulating family, friends, and prevents them from making any significant lifestyle changes, thus often resulting in relapse. Abusing other substances is when a person thinks they can use another substance that they weren't addicted to. An example would be heroin addict using alcohol or alcohol addicted person going back to smoking marijuana or putting themselves on what I call marijuana maintenance program. Followed by peer pressure is when a person finds themselves in situations where friends and family pressure them to have just one drink. Self-pity occurs when they stop feeling like a victim, refusing to acknowledge that they have choices, that they are responsible for their own life and the quality of it. Last of this first series is emotional distress. It is a common in early recovery that their feelings are generally all over the place. This is when a person has to identify, verbalize them with someone they can trust. Okay, moving on to the next phase of triggers. Part two of the triggers, taking recovery for granted, is when someone starts to forget how bad they felt and they start to wonder if they've overreacted to their situation. This often leads into the next trigger, which is reminiscing about music. This is when a person spends time thinking obsessively about how it felt to be high or telling more stories to friends about past drug or alcohol use. This is an indication that relapse is intimate. Impatience is when things are not happening fast enough for them and others are not doing what they want them to do. Glamorizing past usage by thinking of all that they are missing. 
they're using friends, the lifestyle, things they did in their using days. Going to high-risk places such as bars, stopping at liquor stores to buy cigarettes or lottery tickets, visiting or driving by neighborhoods where they bought drugs, followed by easily angered, in most cases, results from covering up feelings of fear, embarrassment, or ashamed. Asking for help is very humiliating experience for many. Romancing about using is a trigger that your memory can do strange things. Events from the past can be remembered differently from how they really were. This habit of the mind to change things can be very dangerous. Seeking old acquaintances is when people can justify visiting old friends because they miss them and swearing that they just want to visit and not start reusing again. The old AA saying is visiting the barber shop often, soon you will get a haircut. The final trigger in my opinion is the top trigger, it is boredom. It is a relapse trigger that often gets used as an excuse to return to alcohol and drugs. If people do not feel like their life in recovery is meaningful and fun, they begin to miss the bad old days. This usually occurs in the early weeks of sobriety when people are still trying to find their way. Addictions use up a lot of time, so once people enter recovery, they find that they have a lot of spare time on their hands. That concludes the triggers. Look for my video on the importance of having hobbies in recovery, which addresses boredom. And in closing, remember, triggers equal thoughts equals cravings, thus relapse occurs. Thank you for watching, and please like my video. These justifications can keep the individual trapped in their misery. These justifications can keep the individual trapped in their misery indefinitely. No matter how bad things get, the addict may feel that their behavior is reasonable. These ideas act as a barrier to communication. It means that people who try to offer a counter argument to the justification might as well be speaking a different language. When the addict uses justifications to explain away their problems, they're not being deliberately deceitful. The problem with cognitive dissonance is that the unconscious mind can adapt ideas that seem perfectly reasonable to the individual, even when they may seem illogical to some other people. The individual believes that their own justification, and this is why they are able to continue with their maladaptive behavior. The dangers of addiction justifications include all the things that we talk about, you know, with the fentanyl overdoses lately, you know, we're saying where people are putting things in all types of um, drugs. You just put yourself in a bad situation when you open yourself to relapse. I know a lady who only smoked marijuana and her um, marijuana was laced recently with fentanyl and she overdosed and died. She was 42. Even when the individual has entered recovery, they can hang on to some of these justifications to abuse alcohol or drugs. They can later use such ideas as an excuse to relapse. 
People can use their justifications to excuse even the most appalling behavior. When people are convinced that their actions are reasonable, they become willing to do unspeakable things. A community of substance abusers can encourage each other to remain trapped using these justifications. Justifications to relapse. They feel let down because their life wasn't perfect after giving up their addiction. The individual may not fully trust the addiction professionals who they interact with. They may then claim that it was a failure of these professionals to give them enough attention that led to the relapse. I've seen that before. Even when people have stopped drinking or using drugs, they can still hold on to some of the justifications for addiction. This means that they can hold an ambivalent attitude towards their recovery. They have not fully given up the idea that they can drink or use drugs safely again. The individual may only be waiting for an excuse to relapse back to their addiction. They will have plenty of justifications. People can claim that life and recovery is boring. They fail to appreciate that it is up to them to find ways to fill their time. Can anyone relate to this justification to relapse? Another justification to relapse might be the individual can feel lonely and miss their drinking and drugging buddies, right? The individual may feel that their life and recovery is meaningless. Substance abuse gave their life structure and purpose. When people become sober, they will usually have to face some painful emotions. The individual can feel justified in trying to escape from such uncomfortable feelings. Overcoming addiction justifications. Those individuals who hit a personal rock bottom are put in a position where they can no longer ignore the reality of their situation. The justifications for addiction now appear to be weak in relation to how bad their life has become. Who can relate to that? An addiction therapist is highly trained to encourage the addict to examine their own justifications for the behavior. The therapist can guide the addict towards the truth. When people first become sober, they are likely to have many beliefs and opinions that are wrong or only have truths. The skill of critical thinking can encourage the individual to weed out any irrational ideas and justifications for bad behavior. In order for the individual to overcome their addiction and develop lasting sobriety, it's necessary for them to shine the light of reason on their justifications for their abuse. Those who belong to a recovery fellowship can hear other people discuss their justifications for drug abuse and hear why such justifications are wrong. Triggers can relate to people, places, things, times, and emotional states. Can anyone think of any other triggers?
Friends who use drugs, friends who are dealers, the absence of significant others, voices of friends who use, looking at social media of friends who use, intimate partners and people discussing drug use. Drug dealers' home, bars and clubs, drug use neighborhoods, work, some street corners, any place associated with use. Those are places. Times, it can be idle time. After work, holidays, birthdays, anniversaries, stressful times, paydays, weekends, right? And emotional stress, anxiety, depression, boredom, fear, sexual arousal or deprivation, fatigue, anger, frustration, concern about weight loss or weight gain. Non-trigger events, non-trigger activities. You can go, you can exercise. You can go to a 12-step or a mutual help group. You can use the app in the rooms. It's an app for your phone in the rooms. You can develop new hobbies. You can go to faith-based or participate in spiritual activities. You can eat better. You can sleep better. You can do non-drug-oriented movies. You can do structured monitor periods. some justifications that somebody might come up with. Other people made me do it. My wife used, so I used. I was doing fine until he brought home such and such. I went to the beach with my sister, Anne. My brother came over for dinner and brought some. I wanted to see my friend just once more, and he offered me some. And some more. They needed it for a specific purpose. I was getting fat again. I needed to control my weight, so I... I couldn't get the energy I needed without it, so I. I can't have fun without it, so I. Life is too boring without it, so I. I can't be comfortable in social situations or meet people, so I. It wasn't my fault. It was right before my period and I was depressed. I had an argument with my spouse. My parents were bugging me. My partner was intimate with another person. The weather was gloomy. I was only going to take a hit and it was an accident. I was in a bar and someone offered me some. I was at work and someone offered me some. I found some in a car. I went to a movie about it. A friend called to see how I was doing. We were talking and decided to get together and, or I felt bad. Life is so boring, I might as well use. I was feeling depressed, so. My job wasn't going well and I was frustrated, so. I was feeling sorry for myself, so I. Recovery is just too hard. Life is about adjustment and balance. You got to have so much time for work, so much time for sleep, so much time for leisure, so much time for relationships, and so much time for recovery activities, right? Make sure that you balance these things and make sure you make time for everything. Am I back to square one if I relapse? I get a lot of questions online asking me, am I back to square one if I relapse? What do I do if I relapse? Am I a failure? And today I want to talk about things to keep in mind after a relapse. How to get back on track. Are you a failure? Are you not a failure? I want to go over these things because these are very important. And there are a few things that we should ask ourselves after a relapse. Has it been a big event in my life that has been causing me a lot of stress? Has someone close to me passed away or is not in my life anymore? Has there been an accident or have I been ill recently? Have I been under a lot of stress at work, at home, at school because there's been a lot of 
deadlines or I'm under a lot of responsibility? Have I been bullied recently? Have I been depressed? Have I been struggling with trauma recently? These are all good questions to ask ourselves because then we can pinpoint why exactly did we relapse? Another good thing to think about after a relapse is what was going through my mind before I relapsed and after I relapsed. Did I relapse because I was stressed? Did I feel like I was out of control? Did I want that control back into my life? Was I feeling depressed or suicidal? These are good things to ask yourself because you want to pinpoint why the relapse happened so you can learn from this experience. Another question that I get asked a lot, and I mean a lot, is am I a failure if I relapse? And the short answer to that question is no. You have done the best that you can do in the situation you're in. And you can learn from this experience. If you learn from this experience, then you are not a failure. It's a good time to be mindful about the positive. I want you to sit down, pick out a piece of paper, and write down these questions. And I want you to answer them. First question I want you to answer is how long has it been? Has it been a day? Has it been a month? has been a few years and I want you to be mindful of how long you went up until the relapse and be mindful that you made it that long and that's okay. I want you to also write down the times where you could have relapsed but you used your coping skills and your support system to get you out of those urges and I want you to write down some alternatives that you used that actually helped you out of those urges and be mindful of those. All right, and that concludes this episode of Mind Healthy. If you have any questions, concerns, or issues, well, leave them in the chat. And for those of you that are returning to group next week or the week after, I wish you well. And if you transition to another group, I wish you well in that group. Be well and be great.